and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that we tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and B. Dave Walters is really close to his camera right now. You're re- I am your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Classes, Champions of War. With me each week are two amazing people, one of which is, again, really close to his camera. And who are you people? That broke them both. You broke That's a new record. I Boom! Broke. Uh, I'm Erin M. Evans. I'm a fantasy writer, best known for the Brimstone Angels saga, um, and I host Champions of Lore with these guys, too. Yee. B. Dave Walters, I say words about things, and on occasion write them as well, um, in, in, in all manner of outlets, comics, TV, film, novels. <laughs> um, so this week's topic is discovering characters, and it's kind of just a broad you know scope of it where do we want to start on this like yeah. what, what i was like oh trevor i hope you have questions for me <laughs> no, I'll, I'll start ranting in monologue oh no 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 i like yeah I, I i do have questions but i was just wondering like if there was a starting point that you guys thought would be good to start this topic off with so uh again you all know i i don't usually get down with the everyone is gray type of stories you mm-hmm. know i i definitely I have heroes and I have villains, but you know, they got to remember the villain or the heroes of their story. Um, but it is, it is important to know who they are fully formed to the best of your ability. Like my characters for Electropunk, Ruthie and Chuck, I know what has happened to them in their lives before the story starts. I know what happens to them in their lives when the story ends. I know all the way to the moment that they die. Now I say, I know this, but there's very much a possibility that over the course of telling the story that you're like, well, now organically, this what I thought was going to happen no longer happens here. That's mm-hmm. that's possible. But I think you you can tell when a character is a living, breathing person in their in the author's mind. And you can tell you've done it when your characters can surprise you mm-hmm. when when you're writing something and you're like. That's not what they say. They say this. You know, that's not what they do. They do this. You know, they, they he does pull the trigger. You know, he does. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's that's one of the most exciting and fulfilling things to me. Cause it's like, um, when I when I was taking German in school, I was always told, you know, you have a command of a language when you dream in the language. Cause mm-hmm. it's gotten enough into your subconscious that your subconscious can access it. That's how that process of writing is. That you've the the character has gotten enough into your subconscious that it's like, no, I'm this, and you're like, oh, well, you know, don't <laughs> let, don't let me interrupt. That's a wonderful moment. I like this. Oh yeah, when you stop having to ask, like, what would this character do? It's just nope. That's what they. Oh, I but even more like, um, I wrote a short story. My first Forgotten Realms uh, story that was published was a short story called The Resurrection Agent. Um, and there's a character in there is a, a cleric who's a spy who goes by the shepherd. And um, the story is basically these two spies, the harlot and the shepherd, are trying to get their spy master's body back to her homeland um, for for burial. Um, but they have to cross this kingdom that's run by vampires. And one of the vampires they encounter is somebody that the harlot... Uh, tried to try to put away basically and her whole thing was like that it's a it's a loophole in the resurrection spell before she goes on a job they cut off her little finger she goes in she gets the info she gets caught and killed and then they resurrect her from her little finger she's like is this guy he's gonna do this um so she's expensive but um in this case the uh the 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 necromancer she's supposed to catch is now a vampire oh no and then the vampire knows exactly what happened and she wants to spit the spy master's body so there's a point where 
the shepherd and the harlot, there's a quiet moment where they're like, okay, we're going to do this. And they're thinking we should just go. We should just leave her. And the shepherd, and at this point, I just, he says, I have a daughter. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> no, you don't. Where is this coming from? Delete that. And they start the conversation over. And he's like, I have to tell you something. I have a daughter. And I'm like, this is weird. Why would he have, why was this? Be- well, it's important because they're not supposed to have outside entanglements. This is like a really high quality spy operation. But here he's got this outside entanglement. So not only is it like, oh, all these rich people who hired us will get like found out and, you know, maybe empires will fall, but maybe won't be there. It's, hey, there's this kid who might suffer. Um, and so in that moment, like it shifted, it's not a big high level thing. It's a personal thing. Um, and that was really important. That was a really important little note that the story needed. And that character <laughs> turned into somebody really important that I used in the rest of my books. Cause once I needed a cleric and then he just came back. Um, but that kind of thing where you're like, Oh, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. And then there's just this like little moment where you've, you've set up enough things that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, everything I did back here makes sense now. Because it was, it was my, my subconscious was leading me to here. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, kind of taking a few steps back from that to actually something we talked about in another episode, of just like where you know you're coming up with a plot, you're coming up with things, and you know you need a character for this. So when you have those times where it's like I need a character to do this, what is your steps for making that character? Like, how do you find them? This is another one of those things that, uh, again, it's like Athena. They're born, they're born full grown and fully armored. I don't know. You just do it. It's <laughs> the wrong answer. But it's again, I have struggles and stuff. Okay, I'm, not, I'm but, with but, you. I'm with you. I don't know. They just do. Yeah, like 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 they they just emerge, and then sometimes um, you you can you can you can massage the process in the sense that you're like. What does what action does this story require, mm-hmm. and what kind of person would take that action? Mm-hmm. And then I go the bonus step of what genuinely good reason would make them do that, even if it's something terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because that's what really brings characters to life. Like one of one of my favorite tropes is you know the the glorious hero who falls by the best intentions. You know Darth Vader, Arthas Menethil. That's Arthas' whole story that he's trying to save his people and just engages in like greater and greater acts of dark magic and like more and more desperate to to save uh, the. Um, you know, to, to, to save his realm so much so that, you know, in Warcraft three, which is still one of the best games ever made, there's a lich and he's about to kill him. And the lich is like, Hey, you know, you're going to bring me back to life. And he's like, I won't stab. And then <laughs> way later in the game, he's like, Oh, I'm trying to find something. And he's the only one who knew it. We got to go get his body and bring him to bring him back. And he brings him back. And he's like, told you. And he's like, Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I like that because mm-hmm. as you, as you watch his downward spiral, contextually it makes sense. You know that you're like, no, please, my boy, don't do it. I understand why you're doing it, but please don't do it. <laughs> um, that's that that's that's a, that is a trope that that always, when done well, uh, is one of my very very favorites. I think. Like, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Ahead. No, no, you go. go, go <laughs> I was go, gonna go, say go. we talked before about like like coming up with story ideas and 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 i said i like to kind of take partials and 
mix them together into a pickup stick stack so you can't take them apart anymore. Um, and I feel like I'm, I, I am not like B. Dave. I do not have the whole story for the character in my head. Um, but it is often a sort of like a push and pull with that, with the, as that story and that plot develop, because, you know, you might come in and go like, I want this character. I want a character, um, who is going to do this thing. And that's only part of it, right? So then you put them in and you're like, okay, well, how do they react to this? Okay, they do this. Okay, then how do they react to this? Okay, they do this. I want them to do this. Why are they going to do that? Um, and, and you sort of like end up kind of building them as you go. Um, and, and to me, like that, that I think that's there's a certain amount that this happens so fast these days. I don't remember. <laughs> I do know, like, okay, I will tell this story. So I'm working on a book, and um, the sort of the main character uh, started out. I wanted to write about someone who was uh, an illuminator of manuscripts because I felt that was interesting. That was something that attracted my attention. Um, and as I have told this story, I have realized this is not the right job for her. As cool as it is. As much as I have enjoyed researching um, Illuminators, uh, that isn't going to have enough to do with the story. And Mm. it's not going to have enough to do with the emotional turns that she needs to take. It's just going to be a little fancy bit. Um, And so that's not going to help me. And so if instead she is someone who is a recorder, who is a sort of scribe that writes down stories and has to... Um, and sort of believes in the truth of stories, but also has to start to learn that 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 truth is very um, subjective and chosen in a lot of cases. That that fits in better. Like if she believes in what she does as a pure thing, and then comes to realize it's very subjective in a lot of ways, that character arc fits much more nicely alongside this external arc. I have to cut out all the lovely little like color analysis things I had her doing, but um, it's it makes a lot more sense. So. I think there's that that piece of, of like having the spark, like I want to write a character like this, um, uh, where you know you you're, you you pull and you borrow and you you find the fancies, um, but then also asking yourself those questions: What does this story need? What what kind of person will make the choice I need them to make? And and being willing to to yank them back if you need to. Yeah. Oh no, no. Please, Trevor, go oh, ahead. I I, I definitely. I, I think that my characters normally come out of need. So, like, when I'm making a character, it's because I've gone into the plot or whatnot and been like, okay, I need a character here. And it generally is what what's the most interesting thing I could do here mm-hmm. with that character? And because I, I don't I, I, I don't just say that for like POV characters or anything like that. I'm trying to, like, I, I, I want to make every one of the, oh, not everyone, but I want to make a majority of the side characters, like the Boba Fett character, like, like where it's just, they have something really cool and interesting about them that people can latch onto, but they're not the main point here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it, it kind of just stems from there of building out, like, kind of what you do, Aaron, where it's just like, okay, I'm going to take something from here and put that there. I'm going to take something from here and put that there and just kind of build out this new form of it using those building blocks. I, I will I will find a lot of times I'll take something in, again, the yoink and twist, take it and turn <laughs> it on its head, which yeah. is all Arthas Manethel is. He is Darth Vader. Like, I mean, yeah. I know they, they were very aware of that when they made that character. I mean, he's Anakin Skywalker that becomes Darth Vader all the way down to his death. But he doesn't get redeemed, which wounded me in my soul. I cried <laughs> so hard when I finally killed Arthas. Um, but that's neither here nor there. 
Uh, but I will take things like we talk about taking things and, you know, putting your spin on it, like in, um, like Electropunk, the graphic novel that we're doing, um, Kickstarter funded. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is relatively low power. Um, but, but the, the twins are always outclassed. Like they're always out of their depth. They get beat up a lot, but they don't give up and they find a way to win. And I think that's because uh, again, one of Pixar's rules of storytelling is you don't admire a character for succeeding, you admire them for trying. And mm. one of the ways to like continue making them try is to continue getting knocked down and continuing to have it get up. But the most powerful character in the story uh, is named Revenant, and she is the ghost of a little girl. Uh, but she's the Incredible Hulk. She's mm -hmm. like unstoppable and unkillable, but she's mm -hmm. this like spirit of vengeance that I have no idea where I came up with that with originally. I just thought it was dope. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm like, what What if this giant rage monster looked like a 12-year-old? Also, what if she was dead? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and like, and well, that was like, it. Like, one yeah. of the things that you've talked about in other episodes is like writing down ideas. Like, you, you'll, you'll yep. have that list of ideas and whatnot you can pull from it. And like, I think that's, I think that's a really good idea. Not, not taking character ideas and describing them a role in a story. Like, you're a main character. You're a side character. Because like, I've totally used ideas that I had for main characters and made them side characters in other books because they just made sense there and they fit what I was going for. Mm -hmm. Um but do do you find that there that you have a difference in making the POV characters from side characters or do you just kind of have do you just kind of discover characters in general? Well, I mean I can tell you uh something that that literally just happened. Uh it's funny I'm pulling up my my idea document now. Mm -hmm. Um like uh like literally here's just like the first four things in this list. This is literally from my idea document. Mercenary team called in to protect an orphanage from a monster. Turns out the orphanage is a prison where prominent people's children are being held. Mm -hmm. uh, a cybernetic special forces unit has been deployed to stop the drug trade inside the U.S. Ninja vampires, dot, 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 enough said. Every, <laughs> everyone loses the ability to die. Like, literally, that's just it. That's just, yeah. my, you know, and then uh, I'll draw on that. I've drawn on a lot of that stuff um, uh, over time um, and inserted it in. Um, also, I lost track of what you were just asking. Me, so I was busy looking <laughs> that up. POV characters or oh. characters. Um, I don't actually believe in the concept of side characters. It's just, <laughs> I don't believe they exist. They're, they're, they're rodents of unusual sizes. Yeah. I don't believe they exist. I don't believe I, they exist. I, I, I told you, I, I think I mentioned to you, I just watched the princess bride again, like a month ago. And I completely forgot that he sees one immediately yep. before right? he so says that to her. Immediately. Well, he doesn't want to scare her. That's why. But he looks excessive. right at it. And then he's like, runs on each side. I don't think they exist. <laughs> um, what I mean is, obviously, the spotlight falls on some characters more than others, clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, like in, in, in Electropunk, you know, the story's about Ruthie and Chuck and to a lesser extent Tesla. And, you know, and then what's happening around them. The reason why I say I don't believe in that is when other characters are in scenes, they should be fully formed enough that there is no meaningful distinction between them and the main character. It's just we're just not following them around, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, 
um is my thought on it you know because otherwise they they seem um one dimensional and and yes you are not going to get every bit of depth and nuance out of every character that is not a main character you still can make an impact back to your boba boba fett thing you know boba fett has what is it like six lines you know if that he looks cool has says six things uh dies a ridiculous death and we forgave it you know, because the, it's just, you know, I stand here and look cool. He's no use to me dead. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 You can, think, you can, oh, yeah. sorry. No, no, please. I'm, I'm just rambling. I was going to say, I think one thing, like, we've had sort of the conversation about um, a novel character versus a D&D character. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think this is this is in there, too, like. Like having secondary characters, like you don't get their viewpoint, so they're they don't necessarily need like this fully fleshed emotional journey, um, but they they frequently need enough to them to be to hold that hold the space without that, right? Yep. And it might be that when you have the you know if let's pretend you're going to write a series when you have the opportunity to slide into that character and make them kind of come up and be a point of view character that there's some more stuff going on, but for that space, giving them sort of enough presence um, becomes more important. I feel like you don't need as much sort of hooky presence in a a point of view character of the same type because you're in Mm -hmm. their head. And so you identify with them, you, you sort of sink into them in a different way such that like, they don't necessarily need like a really distinctive way of talking or, um, you know, a really, you know, clever little magic item or something yeah. um, um, to, to hold that space if they have that sort of um, relatability. Like if I can imagine being them, it, it they, they hold that space more. And that to me is a big part. It's like I, I want to be able to imagine being my characters. Yeah. I, I'd say two things. One, know that they lived before they entered into the scene. You know, mm-hmm. when they walked on the stage, something happened to them before. Two... Every character should talk like Havilar, and I love her dearly. <laughs> <laughs> Three, something that comes up a lot is, uh, even though I know we're we're talking about writing, this comes up a bit, especially in the game arena, is NPCs yeah. when you when you're DMing yeah. and storytelling, because y'all know to me storytelling, storytelling, like the yeah. the the format is variable. It's like if 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 you understand writing music, then it can manifest differently through different instruments. But if you comprehend it, you comprehend it. Um, And one of the things I always tell people, especially fledgling DMs, is your NPCs, give them one memorable trait, you know? And even in my descriptions, it'll be, you know, the alcoholic gnome, you know? The kleptomaniac tiefling, you know, like mm-hmm. something that that, that that will make that character like live in their minds because it'll make it live in your mind mm-hmm. and it will inform your portrayal of it. And it's the same thing in, in these other uh, uh, fictional senses. It's it's yes, in a novel, you have the luxury of detour. But it does not necessarily mean you should constantly engage in the luxury of detour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone listening to this is just like, Use you have the luxury wisely. of tangents, but you shouldn't always go on them. Well, you know what, person? You, there's a lot of other podcasts out there. It's true. The, you knew what this was. We're a ways in. We're a ways in. You knew. Yeah. The, the, uh, essentially for me with it is like, I... I've kind of stopped thinking about it in terms of main character and side character and more of character that I describe and character that I don't. Hmm. 
Like if there is just someone who they're interacting with real quick, I can, uh, I don't have to give a full description of them or, you know, kind of go into their backstory. Think if somebody, if a messenger is just running up and giving somebody a letter, you don't need to describe them down to the freckles on their face and, you know, g- give them a whole character in just their three lines of dialogue and then rough, unless they're going to show up later. Right. And it, when, when I'm doing that thing of like, trying to find the things that work with a side character it's it's now just kind of the same that i'm doing with the main character i'm just writing more about the main characters than than quote-unquote side ones you know i just got like super inspired read over my like freaking i i, 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 I read guys, like, i'll be back later no i legit was just like oh yeah that was dope and in a lot of these things i've taken and i've since developed and yeah. so it's neat going back and looking and being like oh that's where i was going with that or quite <laughs> frankly that's that's where that came from yeah. um yeah it, it, it's i i i I, is again as I've shared my personal process is when I'm telling these stories I see it and it plays that in my mind and I describe what I'm seeing that's just my form of, of, of creativity it is it is very visual and I think it comes across in in my writing usually hopefully um in in but that's also why things like NPCs and stuff spring in fairly fully formed because I see them fully formed a lot of times with voice work and stuff I realize again this isn't writing but it's still storytelling voices and stuff i tend to find out what they're gonna sound like when i open my mouth yeah something comes out and i'm like that's what they sound like now here we are that's and and that's and that's kind of how it is with writing a character for me too is where Mm -hmm. like i don't sit down and like i plot out what they need to get across but not the words that they say Mm -hmm. and it comes out as i'm writing it and that that i feel like well several times with with characters and not just pov ones like i have sat down and written from their perspective if i want to get to know that character better mm-hmm. and understand not just the words that they say out of their mouth but the words that they think in their head and the way that they think them yeah. the words in their heart box yeah <laughs> the words in their heart box i like that yeah well you know i i say it all the time i definitely said it in a previous episode i might have even already said it this episode is you know remember the villain is the hero of their story yeah that is the that you want you want your Loki that everybody's gonna love. That's why again Loki is an excellent case case example that he does something overtly villainous, but you understand why he does it mm-hmm. so much so that you know his brother forgives him for it, and you know we the audience because how can you stay mad at Hunky Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> it's not possible. You know, but I mean he's Loki Lalfacen. He's he's an unloved orphan or th- thought he was. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's um. Although then he sort of turned into a girl horse and got pregnant, and then his father rides the horse that he gave birth to, and it just gets weird. Not to I, mention the fact that that giant wolf thing in that one movie was his kid. Fenris, yeah. Well, Slepner's his kid, too. Like, I'm like, yep. mm-hmm. 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 you know? Yeah. I will say the best, the best example of that I've seen, of that Norse mythology, was uh, Thor Blood and Thunder, which was Marvel did a, a, a fairly short-lived run of... I was going to say adult theme, but that's the wrong word because it sounds like porn. But, you know, um, <laughs> was it Marvel Knights where it was expressly, like, you know, darker toned, uh, you know, not for kids stories. Mm-hmm. And they did an uh, animated movie of Blood and Thunder in Loki meets Hemdale. 
in Himdal is telling him, I've seen everything. I've seen so many of your lives. I've seen you. And he just starts listing off things from Norse mythology that Loki <laughs> really did. And Loki's like, what? He's like, no. <laughs> the, the, That's the, wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a hard tangent on it, but like the the part in Thor Ragnarok when when uh when Thor's just like, Yeah, this one time my brother turned into snake and he knows that I love snakes, and then I went up and yeah. grabbed it and he turned into him and he stepped. I'm like, that's a real mm-hmm. like legend, but it turns out Chris Hemsworth completely did that off the cuff. That was not in the script. Chris Hemsworth just loves the mythology oh stuff, I guess. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, so I oh go ahead, go ahead. Well, but that does tie back to discovering character in yeah. the sense that you're like what 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 would make someone do this you know what mm-hmm. sort of person does this you know um and and what does that mean about them and how they see the world with this thing uh again I, i've shared i'm working on a tv pitch and one of the things they brought in that you know they kind of had a list of characters that had already been created and one of the things i did was immediately give redeeming qualities to the bad characters and scuff up the good characters you know i was like she needs to be an alcoholic you know plant that plant those seeds early that that's that's her escape is in the bottle because mm-hmm. later it's gonna be a problem down the line you know mm-hmm. um that even this um you know relentlessly greedy person uh you know uh still is very active in in his community and like gives a lot of money to like shelters and soup kitchens like al capone al capone al capone is why we have pasteurized milk um yeah 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 uh you know ran soup kitchens in chicago you know an overtly terrible person that was responsible for a lot of death and misery still did a lot of good because that's how humans work you know um, and, and, you know, that is something to, to be mindful of, because otherwise, if you don't have that, your characters end up being cliches. You don't want yeah. that. Well, and also and also flat. I yeah. was going to say one other thing. What I was, I was really trying. This is one of those things where it's like I love writing character. Um, people seem to like my characters in general. So I feel like I should have very smart things to say. But a lot of this is like my process is, is almost too inherent to pull apart. So I'm trying to think of things. But the thing I did think of is one thing I really enjoyed doing. I like writing multi-point of view. Um, and one yes. reason I like that is, uh, and I don't recommend it for everybody because I think for some people it 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 dilutes their story. Some stories mm-hmm. are meant for one character. So I'm not suggesting this as, as, a, as, a, as a fix. But what I like about it is it lets you put that character in like, you know, so, so Farida is the central character of Brimstone Angel Saga, right? Um, and, and you see Farida at various points from the perspective of her father, who is like, my child is fucking up everything. And, and how do I cope with the fact that, that I can't control her anymore? Like, I can't, I can't tell her what to do and trust that she's going to do it anymore. She's turning into an adult. And then from her sister's point of view, and she's like, well, she worries all the time and she's bossy. And, but at the same time, I'm really scared she's going to leave. And then who am I? Right. You see it from her lover's points of view. You see it from her enemy's points of view at times. Um, and being able to do that, like, gives you a, a lot of kind of like pings a lot of different paths off of that character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, 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 like sonar. Like you send out the signal and you're like, well, what comes back? Um, and then the opposite too. Like, how does Farida react to all these different characters? And I think that helps having, having characters putting characters in into a situation with each other can help you figure out who are they, right? Yeah. If you if you have a character and and I, and actually thinking about it like a lot of the times when I start on a book, 
um, it, the, I, I will do like a scene or two and then go like, this isn't right. And, and start again. Um, but what I do is I go, okay, well, this, this character I know I want and this character I know I want, throw them in together. And if that's where it's not where it starts, okay, but let's figure out like, how are they going to interact with each other? What is the shape between them? And, mm-hmm. and like, where are they poking each other? And where are they, f- you know, kind of filling each other's gaps so that they, they're stronger? Um, and, and what comes out of this, right? Where does the tension lie? Um, and, and I think that, ha- so I think that thinking about not just your character moving solely through things, even if it is a single point of view story, thinking about how they interact with other people and what it tells you about them is yeah. a really valuable way to, to sort of make that three-dimensional character happen. Genuinely, one of my favorite things about writing <clears throat> multiple POV in the urban fantasy book I have is literally to- uh, each character talking trash about one of the characters. <laughs> like the, main, the, the, the quote-unquote main character of the series is is a douche sometimes, and I just love doing other POVs talking trash about him internally. And... <laughs> But that's one of the things that I love doing in making characters is like, what what are the things they don't get along with? What makes it so that these two characters shouldn't work together, but they do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, and that's most of the time, like, I'll, I'll have them. I have like, these two don't get along, but do stuff. But how that happens most of the time comes out through writing of why they irritate each other, not just that they irritate each other. You look like you had something you want to say, B. Dave. Perpetually, but no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's um. I I think if you're ever if you're ever really stuck to you know, and this is a well that we will come back to again and again is like look at characters that you really like, ask yourself why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at characters you really don't like. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself why, you know, because there's times that not liking a character is actually very effective. Like John Walker and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, so so good. You're supposed to hate him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They did a good job making you hate him, too. And it's very (laughs) subtle because if you think about it, for the most part, he doesn't really do anything other than Mm -hmm. be not Steve at first. And you're still like, "Mm, nah, not that guy. Not that (laughs) guy. Like like the first time they they do kind of like a like kind of show you his character. I'm like, oh, you know, he's not that bad of a dude. Maybe I misjudges. And then like the end of the episode, I'm like, no, fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. Oh, my God. That's what happens when you order Captain America on Wish. Yeah. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, you know, that kind of thing is important. You know, it's like, like what's happening there. Um, you know, and, and and props to Wyatt Russell that he did a good enough job that just make everybody hate you and want that he's the new Joffrey. He's the but, new Joffrey. Yes. But but you know, and and how can you bottle some of that? How can you bottle this visceral reaction? You know, what what is it that makes you know uh, uh, Bucky resonate? What is it that makes Sam resonate? Or you, don't they? And if not, why? You know, yeah. um, uh, and, and kind of unpack that and then see how you can recycle it. And apply it to your characters, um, yeah. and, and you know, and, and when in doubt, I think if you if you have to answer anything, always ask what do they want. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. has to want something. Every character, every scene, every moment, everybody has to want something. Like Kurt Vonnegut says, even if it's just a glass of water, you know. And in if you're lost with someone, or you think they don't fit, or you're not sure where they belong, then p- 
probably that's what you're missing is what do what do they want and you know and then uh by what lengths are they going to go to go to get it and i think whether or not they even can get it then gets into more like the genre conventions you know like on a horror movie for instance or a tragedy they're probably not gonna get it you know uh comedy they probably are gonna get it you know like that kind and of it's thing. gonna be hilarious yep hopefully <laughs> Well, I, I, you're talking about the, the the means that they would go to get it, and I think that can be what separates it from being a protagonist and an antagonist. And mm-hmm. you know, we we we, we kind of danced around that one for a little bit. So, like, you know, what to you is it, like? What what's your process for making those? Because it's those things that's like in the story. I need the protagonist who, and I, I can't remember who it's so, somebody on writing excuses came up with the verb of pro tagging. And I really loved that one. I was just like, <laughs> who's the one that's pro tagging here. <laughs> and, and like, what, what is it that you do to kind of create that to like, be like, okay, what, what is it that is it about this protagonist that they are my protagonist? You know, here to, to me in most of the things that I write there is a measure of heroism in all of it. Maybe not mm-hmm. super heroism, but heroism. And the tr- measure of heroism is sacrifice. What is this person giving up? The person that is giving up the most is the most heroic, and by extension, probably the main character. You know? Like Which, that. by the way, this is the point where I point out that George R. R. Martin's dead to me, and people <laughs> often say... There is no main character of the Game of Thrones. Yes, there is. It's Jon Snow. Yeah. yeah. The, the books are, the, the story's about him. Um, so in every story has that. You know, people are like, no, there's not one. Mm, yeah. There is. There is. You know, uh, but that's that's the definition for me is that. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Uh, so the question is, how do you determine who's the protagonist and who's well, the yeah, antagonist? Like, like, what, well, cause, well, not not just that, but like yeah. you, you know, you need a protagonist. But like, what is what process do you go through of like, okay, this character is my protagonist? Like, like why this. is why is the story about Farida not Havilar? I'm yeah, very, I'm very pro Havilar. <laughs> 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 well, later ones are more about Havilar, but um, so I mean, and this is one of those things where I feel like it's so inherent to the the sort of the initial stack story stack right like for brimstone angels just for an example um you know like well okay it started out she was my character but why her well because i said i want to do a story about a tiefling morlock um who makes a pact with a devil um and has to sort of thread the needle between doing this thing that's very expected of a tiefling and Mm -hmm. being her own person right um, and not being all the other things. Like, she's not wicked. She's not selling her souls. She's not, like, she's actually, like, trying to subvert this to do heroic things, right? And so, like, it's within that initial concept is, it, I think that's part of it, is that a lot of the time, my initial concept is about the character. And so when I start, that's what I know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I have all those little fragments, and they have to attach on to the character. Um, and so... It won't be like, who's the best person for this time travel, kaiju traveling, uh, hidden masters road trip story. It's that I really like the story of St. Olga of Kiev. And I really think that Sorwana Ines is a really interesting person. And what if they were like best friends? Um, oh, they'd fight a lot. So they need a third friend that would keep them kind of balanced. Okay. What's the story that goes with those? Hey, I really want to write about kaiju. Hey, I really want to write about time travel. Um, and so I think in this case, I work backwards 
because I'm not starting with an idea so much as I'm starting with people who then adapt further as the idea sort of is structured around them, right? Um, I keep trying to remember because I when I sold Brimstone Angels, like when I pitched Brimstone Angels, it was like an X meets Y thing, but I can't remember the Y. <laughs> <laughs> but I said it's like Twilight meets Mephistopheles meets something else with a Lady Gaga soundtrack. Um, oh my god! And and and, and also Apparently I hadn't read I hadn't read Twilight when I said that, so I had to read Twilight after that. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so there are there are things I will give Twilight, and I think one of the things it does is it 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 manages to create a story that hooks this sort of underdeveloped 15 year old part of your brain and says you're special right which is what that's what you want at that age right um so my concept was sort of like what if we do something that's similar and we all agree this is a horrible idea this is a terrible (laughs) terrible idea um and we don't sugarcoat it so uh but yeah so like that was built around the idea of like, I'm going to have this character and she's going to be like this. And it's, you know, this book is going to sort of be in the same way Twilight is this, this, this story that appeals to that, that I read it. And I was like, I am glad this wasn't around when I was, was this age, because I think I might've gotten pulled into it and I wouldn't have been proud of it. Cause there's yeah. a lot of things I think I'm great about it, but, but it does that one thing really, really well. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a D&D story. That's for 15 year old me. Um, that's, that's like, this is like, okay, finding yourself and finding your power and figuring out how to become an adult. Also, you're fighting monsters. Um, so that starting with who that person is, then Mm -hmm. I'll write about, I want to write about them. Yeah. It's for the record, you are, I've heard many women say that, that that was, that's the strength of Twilight, that she really captures being a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, no, they're like, that's what it was like. And I'm like, mm, eh, can't identify. But, you know. <laughs> it goes see, way but, off the tracks but, into crazy town. <laughs> but, you know, but hey, the, the venture in me is like, get your money, Stephanie Myers. Right? You know? and, yeah, right? But, like, yeah. people, I mean, this is one of those things, like, I think I, I've known a lot of authors who are happy to shit on Twilight, but she did something really right. You know, people don't people. So some people will read books and go listen to how terrible this is, but Mm. not that many. Right. If you're selling that many books, something is going well here. Something is hitting a spot that people like want hit. So figure that out and steal that because it's great. (laughs) They already did that. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. That is true. Uh, Literally that. Literally. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I was going to say that I've come about this. Uh, most of my stories have started with the character as well, but I do have at least one, the same one I was vague booking about previously that I'm still going to vague book about now because this one isn't done. Um, but there is a, there is a global, something affects people globally, you know, like, like I mentioned from the, from the, from the, my idea document, you know, suddenly no one can die. That's actually not the story, but okay. But I've, I've drawn on that, but we'll say that suddenly no one can die. That's the idea. Well, what does that mean? Well, that would affect the world in these ways. How do I show how that would affect the world? And the characters were born out of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, if if people can't die, well, then, you know, suddenly, the, you know, the government has to do something. How do you show the government reacts? We probably should know the president. 
How's the, what does the president do when this happens? Mm -hmm. Okay. Where, how would that affect people's spiritual beliefs? You know, nobody's going to heaven or hell. You probably need to show some kind of holy person how to, you know, how does this affect them? You know, um, then uh, like you're just a completely normal person. You got to know what's up with them too. So here's like a college student, you know, and the characters were born out of how would this affect the world to your mm -hmm. echolocation analogy mm -hmm. and who can give that back? Yeah. This person, this person, this person, and this person. And with that story in particular, I started with very much, I, I, I planned out three books in the series and I was like, the immediate changes would be this. Like in the first week, it'd be like yeah. this. Then 10 years later, it'd be like this. Then a hundred years later, <laughs> it'd be like this. You know, because then you can plant those seeds early that are going to pay yeah. off later. You know, um, that in that you that unique set of circumstances, I, I did it that way. Most of the time, I'm super like you, Aaron, where I'm all like, I got a dope tiefling. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 quick aside, like the that sort of storytelling that makes me think of the the book Flash Forward, which they tried to do a TV series of like ten years ago. Yep, where it's like. Yeah, or like everybody in the world blacked out for two minutes and 42 seconds. And the book takes place from the perspective of like a, a physicist at CERN. And the whole book is from their perspective. But I love the way that they got around that besides just having dialogue about what was happening in the world. Each chapter break had a news report in front of it where like and the, one of my favorite ones is just like. Yo, uh, people know who the president was 40 years from now. They blacked out and they had a vision of the future 40 years from now. They uh, they know who the president is 40 years from now. And now a 12-year-old is getting death threats. Like, <laughs> because they know that that kid becomes president and they're like, fix my problems. Um, and so, like, I, I, I absolutely loved crap like that. But, like, mo uh, some of the times, because, like, I talked to earlier, like, what makes a character interesting no matter, like, where they're at. And when I do that with a protagonist, it's kind of, and, and I'm leaving this a protagonist because I'm going to admit something right now. I suck at making an antagonist. I'm still not conquered that it is. It's I, I, I hate it. Again, um, I'll tell you, they're not antagonists. They're the heroes yeah. of their story. I'm yeah, telling you, when and, you look at it like that, it will click for you. I, I and that, and that's what I need to do. The, the, the project that I'm working on, I need to sit down and look at it from that way and see what I can do with it. Um, but when it like one of the things that I kind of have fun with doing, um, sometimes when I'm doing it is giving them weird, like character descriptive quirks, mm -hmm. um, like uh, the main character for, uh, this, this project is I'm like, I want him to be an immortal. Okay. But what can, what, what can I make funny about that? I guess I would say, and I'm like, what if he's only 30? Like his, like everyone, all the other immortals are like six hundred years old or some shit, and he's thirty. <laughs> like, I, and and so like I got a crack, I got I got a kick out of that, and so I just went with that and have kind of built out a character just from that whole thing, and I did that with each one where it's just like, okay, this character is the rep is a representative of like the magic world's government in uh, everyday society. Okay, but like, what if he just didn't get it? because he's a fallen angel who didn't have to deal with mortals and he just doesn't understand people. <laughs> and, and I would also say add, add an extra layer of that to what are you trying to say because of that? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a, one of the, I, I have, I have a checkered relationship with Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> but you know, he's done some things I've enjoyed and he's done some things that were just super total misses. And I think mm -hmm. he, I think he gets a lot of, 
unwarranted fellatiation from film film fans. <laughs> but that being said, in Kill Bill, Bill's whole monologue about how Clark oh, Kent God, is Superman's yeah. criticism of us. I was like, I had to go to the mountaintop on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that 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 messed me up for a while. That <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, uh, again, that that is your opportunity. Maybe not necessarily so overtly, but if you've got this character whose whole thing is they they don't understand humanity, they don't understand common morality. By extension, what are you attempting to say about morality? Mm-hmm. it may or may not come out of that character's mouth it might be said to that character because you know especially when you're dealing with theme the main character never is the main character is not supposed to ever say the theme mm-hmm. but somebody should say it around them yeah. or um that you're like oh you know um but, but that's you know that that's that's another another tool you could use when you start getting kind of uh blocked like again you know I love G.I. Joe. I love G.I. Joe. I still <laughs> love G- I, I still love G.I. Joe the movie. But them trying to blow up the Statue of Liberty at the beginning of G.I. Joe the movie expressly because fuck you. I'm like, I mean, I guess, but otherwise, <laughs> really? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, there, there should be some reason other that I'm not just doing this because I'm evil. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, there's something deeper than that. I think. Yeah. Wait, I wrote down two I wrote them down this time. Bars, go for it. Um, So I think one thing to think about with the antagonist is the antagonist is the person who prevents your protagonist from doing what they're going to do or or vice versa, right? So like figuring out somebody who wants a thing um, that's that's, uh, contrary to what your protagonist wants is is the key. One second, because my um, snooze just ended. And uh, somebody in my writing group Slack is about to go on a major rant. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's all right. This is this, is, this is another thing for a tri- for future Trevor to edit. <laughs> hey, future Trevor. Sorry. Yeah. Someone. <laughs> someone. I guess. Am, I guess. I don't know. It, ugh, it sounds like Amazon is getting in some some dick swinging about the Kindle publishing thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wasn't what I was saying. Her book is coming out tomorrow, and one of someone emailed her and said their pre order got canceled. This happened to me with Adversary when Amazon decided to start like basically refusing shipments to as a as a bargaining tactic. Um. Uh. And and uh penguin random house or wizards i'm not sure who they were were aiming it at at the time um finally folded but basically the adversary had a weird first month because still 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 went through my print run but still um yeah because like basically they just said oh your your show thing's not going to show up and people are canceling their print orders yeah because amazon's the worst Mm -hmm. but anyway okay so antagonist wants something that uh your protagonist is in the way of or that your protagonist wants something the antagonist is in the way of um so thinking about if you're having trouble figuring out an antagonist like figuring out the person who would be the most in the way uh is is a good place to start um the other thing i was going to say is because this is talking about dragons and shit um when you're trying to make like when you make these especially when you make these side characters and they are representative of um like like a fantasy race or something, mm-hmm. it, it it behooves you to think about how what you are saying um, by having that person there. Are they meant to be? Because because I think if you're only going to meet one, then your reader is going to say, "Well, this is clearly what all dwarves are like." 
Yeah. Unless you can somehow emphasize, no, this dwarf is an oddball. Um, and if you can say, show us someone who's kind of an oddball, um, especially along against people who are sort of um, behaving in a culturally typical fashion, that can tell you more about uh, the group, which the only thing, okay, so um, the book I mentioned, I mentioned in one of these uh, that, that I currently got on sub, um, one of the things I want to do is have like bunkers, fantasy races, um, fantasy peoples. And so one of the things I added were these, uh, like polyamorous, uh, astronomy obsessed slendermen, um, because I wanted to. Right. So one of the characters in the book is, uh, one of the, the magic users, an archivist, um, named Tanook. Tanook is one of these people. He's an illusion. Um, but Tanook's thing is Tanook hates people. And so his parents are like, you should find a nice nest. You should settle down with some partners. He's like, I hate everybody. <laughs> um, but he's sort of like, he's, he's sort of like, uh, start out asexual and went to actually people are all really annoying, except the people that I care about who I have to figure out how to relate to. Whereas mm-hmm. other illusions are very much like more sort of in tune with like, how do I talk to somebody? Um, how do I, how do I like interact and and connect with people then to look the opposite and having someone who's the opposite it can be great for showing like why are they not fitting in especially if this is a character you might mm-hmm. cycle up to being a point of view character assuming it's something that turns into a series um if he was the only one that you ever saw you would just assume this is what they're all like right they're all kind of misanthropic they're all kind of incapable of expressing themselves uh, their emotions clearly uh they they they're very snarky and kind of bitchy um because he's the only one standing there um or you stop and you explain no but see he's actually an oddball um so when you are when you're doing that when you're introducing somebody like you and you're asking them to stand in for all this world building, like really think about what you are signaling and how you're signaling it mm-hmm. um, so that you're not unintentionally implying a bunch of things because everybody's an individual. But if yeah. there's only that one individual and you made it all up, like people are going to like kind of try to fill in gaps and, mm-hmm. and possibly have some trouble. That makes sense. Uh, the oh, Dee, have you got something? The the taking it back a little bit to the uh the um what you're talking about with like the the antagonist just being in the way like you know there, there's the thing that gets brought up so much of, of like the reason why Batman villains are so interesting is because they're the ones that are always trying to achieve something and Batman's just there trying to stop them and I I I enjoy that type of villain but it does get into the whole thing of what B Day is talking about where like. Like, especially with Batman villains, it's it, there aren't a lot of them that I'm like, I'm doing this because I'm the hero of my story. It's like, I'm doing this because chaos. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it, it depends uh, because you have some of them like Mr. Freeze, who clearly yes. I mean, most of Batman's victims, I mean, uh, villains actually victims. are in fact, well, they're victims of circumstance. Um, yeah. yeah, that that sets them apart from a lot of like... Uh, um, uh, Mr. Freeze, Clayface, characters like that have been wronged, like that um, uh, Vincent Price's uh, quote, where it's like, I don't play monsters, I play men beset by fate and seeking revenge. Damn. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a quote. That's nice. Yeah. Well, but again, once you see it like that, you're like, oh. Oh. <laughs> right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, put- wait. 
Oh, put, good, good. put some respect on Batman's name. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> because it, here was why. The, 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 remember I said the measure of, hero, of sacrifice is heroism. Nobody sacrifices more than Batman. That's why mm-hmm. Batman is the most compelling hero yeah. for Grant's oh, that I will I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying at all that they mm-hmm. like I was saying like that's that's the thing that gets said a lot why Batman's villains are and, yeah. and like there I, I know there's people who's like, oh Batman's villains are more interesting than Batman. I'm like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh but yeah so we are getting towards the end of the show here. Um do you guys have any closing thoughts about this topic of uh, uh discovering characters? It's ongoing, you know. <laughs> I mean, hope hopefully they will become friends. Um, in that you theoretically have got to find a way to love them all. Uh, I feel even your villains you should still love. Like if you've got a character that you find that you just hate, not delightfully, but like you don't like, the mm-hmm. audience won't like them either. So you know, yeah, find a way to love them. What's and all. Like um. The oh, okay, so. And we talk about like characters, point of view characters having sort of emotional space and emotional journey. And I would say that's another thing is that this is a place where you can sort of put something true on the page. Um, this is the place where if you are going to have a character, you know, obviously you can tell a story where the character's internal arc is, is very gentle and not particularly tied into everything. But if you're going to do that, like pull something out of you um, and adapt it for that. And, and, like do that obviously like you don't need to like make it you know every trauma on the page but i find that if you can take yours take something that is true for you and and mold it into the story it will absolutely give life and vitality to your characters because you will identify with them you will be able to sort of feel that story um and and it will be much more genuine than if you kind of if you can't do that like if you can't mm-hmm. be um, in a place of, of real empathy and, and, and understanding, even if it's ugly, even if it's something you're not proud of, right. That you, if you understand like how that path works, because there's this little part of you that makes sense. Um, I think that that tells a story that's much more powerful than if you're like, you know, Oh, you know, what would be motivating if my baby got run over by a car? That sounds like it's probably hard. Right. Like you, you, you can pull on those sort of touchstones of like, obviously this is tough, but if you can find something where you're like, that resonates for me, I feel that in my heart box, as you said, um, (laughs) it will show, it will show and it will, it will be a more powerful thing for it. I like that. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's really good. This is definitely one of those episodes where y'all giving me stuff to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to my writing desk. Good, I feel like, like mm. I'm just randomly learning say, things at points. But to say we were bound to get there eventually just by, just by sheer volume of word counts. Something had to be profound. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The, the really just, Oh, 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 we oh, got just nothing. Have one other tiny thing. Cause yeah. I didn't say it when I was talking about if you're making up fantasy people's, um, but to go back to previous comments about how orcs aren't e- orcs don't attack because th- they're orcs, they have reasons. And the same thing that like if you're doing that, like like build a culture, make people make choices. Don't be like, well, they're genetically predisposed to this. Oh like, yeah, you can do better. Okay, always do better. <laughs> I feel like that fair straying a couple times. Yeah, that is that is very lazy storytelling. That um, if you're going to have it be 
The only time I think you can get away with like they're doing it because their nature is if it's something semi mindless like a xenomorph, because then that's yeah. more like a force yeah. of nature. Yeah. That's not that is not a creature that is doing this thing. It is it is it, you know it is a force of nature. Like I mean, it might as well have been flames sweeping through, and like that's why they're doing what they do. But I I, I think uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a whole other rant right. there. But, <laughs> yeah. But but even then, that was offset by, you know, the introduction of the concept of a queen. And the queen was intelligent and did have its own motivation that was to procreate and, you yeah. know, spread, you know, it's it, the less brood, you know, as it were. So yeah. man, things are just rough when you got acid blood, man. Mm-hmm. I should um, know. <laughs> I, I think the last thing I would say is that, like, I, I definitely relate to, to B-Dave's thing about um, the, you know, the 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 morally good character and stuff like that. Like that's, that's my protagonist and stuff like that. But I, I definitely, for me, and again, this is for me, like I, I, I gotta have that interesting thing about each character. And, and and it like, that's one reason like certain genres I can't gravitate to because it's harder to have those interesting quirks and whatnot in a character because of the genre constraint on it. But for me, like I, I, even even if it is like I want to do an epic fantasy, I'm probably gonna have some characters. Where I'm like, okay, but like, what's the funny thing? Like, what's the, what's the thing that's I mean, like ironic about the character? Well, but I mean, that's your jam, and I, and yeah. I, and I should point out too that different genres require different things. Like, yeah. if you're writing a tragedy, having the most heroic protagonist may not be the thing at all. Yeah. You know, unless you intend to bring them low because of it, which <laughs> who, again, who loses the most? Now watch exactly. them lose it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Anakin Skywalker and Arthas <laughs> Manethel, my, my homies who ain't here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Friends, where can people find you and what are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. Uh, you can catch me on Mondays at 11 on twitch.tv slash games, where I host Champions of Lore with these guys, talking about the lore that's fun to know about in Idol Champions of Forgotten Realms. Um, you can also catch me on twitch.tv slash dungeonscrawlers at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, where I play D&D with a bunch of other fantasy writers. Yeah. I was just inexplicably beset by a big bug, and I'm like, all the doors and windows are closed. I don't know where the heck did that thing come from. So, so yeah, Aaron was giving her her little outro thing, and Peter was just like, "I will fucking I find you." I, was, <laughs> I yeah. did not want to just did not want to distract you if there's a, a it, hostile incoming. You know, there there is clearly, but you know, we we will do battle momentarily, and if I do not return, get revenge. Um, <laughs> B.A. Walters, apparently I'm, I'm a slayer of beasts. Um, say words about things. You can find me all over the internet wherever fine streaming content can be located, including with these beautiful people on Mondays and as the Dungeon Master of the Black Dice Society on Thursdays at 4 Pacific on D&D, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, and you can find me on way too many podcasts, one of which being that show, Champions of Lore, which we all do together. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash CND Games, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Mondays, yeah. Uh, but you can find all my shows on my Twitter account at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. But thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, the best way to support it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. And if you have any questions or topic suggestions, you can send those into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to keep up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at about dragons. But until next week, go write about some dragons and shit. Mm-hmm.